I, I want to start out here today, first of all, with reservation in my heart, love in my heart. Um, I kind of feel like, um, and parents, you know what I'm talking about, um, there's a time when you have to provide that, I'll call it tough love, for your children, whether they're you know, young um, or whether they're even adults. Um, sometimes the tough message has to go out, right? And you feel like, gosh, you know, if I say this, are they ever going to love me anymore? Are they going to like me anymore? You know what I'm talking about, parents? And I kind of feel like that today um, in this message. So um, I'll just throw it out there. I don't feel like this is going to be a session of preaching. It's going to be, I feel like, more about teaching today. And so we've been talking about um, being burnt out. How many have ever felt what I'm talking about, being burnt out? Come on, be honest with me. If, if you've felt burnt out, you know, raise your hand. Let everybody else see so they don't feel uncomfortable about raising their hand, you know. Um, but more importantly, uh, we're talking about how do we go from burnt out to balance, some kind of a balance in our life. And so... The first week of this series, we started off, um, I talked about, I don't know, you've probably all forgotten by now, about, <laughs> about ignoring God in number four. Sometimes we feel like number four is not something that we have to follow. Uh, and so we just ignore God about the whole day of rest thing, the whole Sabbath thing. And, and, and that we need to slow down. And so that's what I talked about. And in the second week, Jared came along. Everybody say, thank God for Jared. <laughs> that was a little too loud. I, no. He then talked about lightening your load. He unpacked Matthew uh, chapter 11 where Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary and you're carrying this heavy burden, I'll give you rest. And then... Um, the third week came along, and Dustin talked about contentment. I think a very uh, apropos uh, topic for today uh, in this world. And today's topic, I've actually approached this topic before in message, but here we are again because I think that it's only gotten worse. I think it's only gotten worse. Um, so I'm going to wrap up our series today. And I want to challenge you uh, in this very last message of the series. <clears throat> if you've ever thought, man, there's just got to be more to this thing. There's got to be more than what I'm experiencing. There's got to be more to life than what I'm seeing uh, in my so-called successful friends, whether that be our neighbor or it be you know, your coworker or even your family member or whoever. And every day running this race and, 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 and um, climbing the corporate ladder, uh, so to speak, I see that every single day. Pouring you may be here and you're pouring your guts out into your own business or, or for your employer and, and, and you're chasing the dream. You might say, chasing the dream. I'm just trying to keep my nose above water, Steve. And yet, I guarantee you, there's someone here in this mode, this burnt out mode today that's running ragged to keep up and you're trying to figure out how to upgrade into a new house or how to get a new car or, or, or get some new shoes to add to your collection or a new toy. But it keeps you in debt. And then it, the race just keeps going on and on and on. And you're saying, Steve, that's just the American dream. 
Anybody taking a good look at America lately? Now, I'm not dissing our country. I think our country is the greatest country in the world. I do. I really do. Wonderful people. But have you noticed how selfish we can be? How selfish we can be. And as a result, the consumer debt, do you guys know the consumer debt is approaching $13 trillion? $13 trillion. Jesus told a story about this in Luke chapter 12, and he says, There was a rich man whose lands produced bountiful harvest. And he asked himself, What should I do? For I don't have enough storage space to put all my stuff. In other words, God's blessed him so much, he don't even know what to do with it all. He has no place to put it all. And then he says, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build some bigger ones so I can store more stuff. And then he says to myself, he says, I have so many good things stored up for me. Now I can just rest, eat, sleep, and be merry. I want you to look at this next verse because it's pretty strong. God says, God says to him, you fool. That's pretty strong. This night, your life will be demanded of you. And then to whom will all your things belong? Listen to what God's saying there and what he says next. Thus will it be for anyone who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. Is not rich in what matters most. This guy only thought of himself. It didn't occur to him that maybe God was blessing him so he could stop thinking about himself and start blessing somebody else. And all he thought was, I've got so much, i got to go make something bigger to store it all. I won't, I won't give any of it away and bless anybody else. I'll just keep storing it for more. And God says he's a fool and he's missing what matters most in life. And many of us look at this story and we go, man, that, that is, that's bad. That's bad. It's a selfish state that we live in today, that we find ourselves in today here in America. This guy that we just read about, even though Jesus calls him a fool, he wasn't as bad as we are here in America. You know why? Because he did all of that with his own money. And when we run out of money and we want something to fill up our garage and we want something to fill up our, our closets, we go out and we get a loan and we go to get another credit card and we find ourselves even further and further in debt so that we can put more stuff, more stuff for ourselves. And if he called this man a fool, what do you think he's thinking of us? Paul challenges the church in Ephesus. And so I want to throw out a challenge to the church in Lake St. Louis called the bridge. And the very first thing he does is he prays for the, for the, 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 the uh, folks of the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I ask God to make your eyes, and this is my prayer for you, for us, I ask God to make your eyes focused and clear so you can see exactly what God is calling you to do. And so he challenges them in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, don't be foolish with your lives. In other words, don't waste your life. Uh, don't use it up on things that really, they don't matter. I mean, uh, make your life count. And so how do you do that? How do you do it? And if you're interested in this today and hearing what this saith the Lord about this, I want you to listen closely. I want you, if you got a pen, if you got paper, take some notes today. I don't always ask you to do this, but get this in your heart any way that you can. Today's message, today's title is Selfishness to Significance. 
selfishness to significance. So today, I want us to review some very important questions that if you can just get these clear in your mind, your stress levels will go down. You'll you'll live a life of significance and meaning and purpose. Uh, You'll know what to cut out of your life and what to add to your life. You'll know what to cut out of your budget and what to add into your budget. And and, and so if you can just answer these three very important, potentially life-changing questions, that's where we want to be. The first one is, what will be the center of your life? And I'd like for you to contemplate Contemplate that now in your mind. What might be the center of your life? In other words, who or what am I going to live for? Obviously, there are a lot of options out there. You can center your life around your career. Many, many people do. You can center your life around a sport or sports or around a hobby or around making money or around your next girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever or around just having fun and there's nothing wrong with any of these things they're fine and good but they make a lousy center for your life they're not strong enough they're not solid enough they're not secure enough to be the center of your life you need something at the center of your life that is absolutely unchanging that can never be taken away from you never And if it can be taken away from you, well, then you don't have any security. You're always under stress, and you need something that is unchanging and secure. And the Bible says in Psalm 62.10, it says, If your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. Why, Why not? Why not make it the center of your life? A couple reasons. You can lose it all just like that. Overnight, you can lose it instantly. If you build your life around money, you constantly are tense because you've got to keep it up. You've got to hold on to it. And wealth is not good enough, guys, to be the center of your life. Millionaires, uh, movie stars who make millions and billions of dollars will tell you it's not. Jesus once said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. In other words, your net worth and your self-worth are totally not the same thing. I think sometimes we forget that we're not taking any of this stuff with us anyway. Why spend all of our life trying to acquire stuff that you're not going to take with you in this next life? And guys, I've talked to you before about the fact that this life is just a vapor, the Bible says. Again, if I just had a can of hairspray and I sprayed it, it's that long and then the eternity. Why spend all of your life trying to acquire this stuff? The Bible says, don't make it the center of your life. You can make a person the center of your life. And you'll be under stress because that person can walk out on your life. It can happen. I guarantee there's probably somebody in this building and it has happened to. They could get sick and God forbid they could pass away. They can turn their back on you. And all kinds of things can happen. They shouldn't be the center of your life. And I don't care who that is. I don't care if that's uh, your parent. I don't care if that's your spouse. I don't care if that's your child. They shouldn't be the center of your life. And that sounds counterculture, but it's biblical. When you become a Christian, the center of your life changes. Being a Christian means Jesus Christ is the center of your life. For all the people that are hungry today, I'm going to use a a food illustration. A, 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 a lot of people imagine their life as a kind of like a pie with different pieces representing different segments of their life. So you've got this work segment and work piece, you know, and you've got this retirement piece, you've got this, this uh, uh, financial piece, you've got this sexual piece, you've got this relationships piece, you've got this social life kind of thing, and then you've got this Jesus piece. But see, Jesus is not a piece of the pie. Jesus is the filling in the pie. And he wants to influence every segment of your life. The financial segment, the the, the relational segment, the goals, the ambitions, and the dreams in your career. He's the glue that holds it all together. And a lot of times we just want him to be kind of off in the corner, just that one piece. 
the number one stress reliever is to put Jesus Christ in the center of your life. Austin and Max Capizzi and I were messing around after a function one time. We were here in the church. Somebody had a Super Bowl, and we were having fun with it. You guys remember messing around with the Super Bowl when you were a kid? You'd throw that thing on the ground as hard as you can, and it would go 30, 40 feet in the air. Why did it do that? Because it had this center, the center of the Super Bowl was so tightly compacted. It was, it was it's such a solid core. It wasn't like some mushy or airy like tennis ball that we, that we play tennis with, but a Super Bowl has a very solid core, and that gives it this bounceability. And when you place Jesus at the center of your life, when your core is solid in God, you have bounceability. What's that mean? You, you bounce back from stress faster. You, you bounce back from problems faster. You bounce back from grief faster. You bounce back from crisis in your life faster because you've got something solid in your life that doesn't change. And when you have that, you don't have anything to worry about. And that means that the most basic and fundamental decision of life is this. Am I gonna live a life that is self-centered or God-centered? And you need to make a decision today. How do you know if the center of your life is God? How do you know what the center of your life is? Well, if you just think about whatever it is that you think about the most, it's probably it. It's probably at the center of your life. That could be your career. It could be your spouse. It could be your kids. It could be just having fun. It could be Jesus. And Paul said, I want God to be the center So after you settle that question about the center of your life, the second most important question is this. What will be the character of my life? Anybody ever thought about your character? (laughs) God is far more interested in who you are rather than what you do. Why is that? Because you're not gonna take your career with you to heaven but you are gonna take your character with you. And all of this life that we live here today, we, yeah, we have fun, we do great things, but it's really just a preparation for eternity. God's developing our character now to take us with him there. The Bible's very clear about his plans for our lives after we make him the center of our lives. In Romans chapter eight, verse 29, it says, from the very beginning Everybody say the beginning. From the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should become like his son. God wants us to become like him. He wants us to become, to have the values that Jesus Christ has, to have the character that Jesus Christ has. He wants us to have the kind of uh, interest uh, at heart that he has. Philippians chapter two, verse five says, in your lives, you must think and act like Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. God wants to help me become more like him. It's a lifetime project and we'll never totally reach it, but he wants us to grow in that direction. Does does it make sense? It seems like he goes after the opposite way of making that happen. It's like he's going to put you in, a, in the exact opposite circumstances that you think you need to be in in order to achieve what you want to achieve. We were talking about this the other night, that Jesus Christ was in, he was in while he was on earth. I mean, we, Jesus faced loneliness, didn't he? What makes us think we're not going to face loneliness? Jesus faced heartache. We'll face heartache. How many have faced heartache in your life? Jesus faced temptation, though he never gave in to temptation, never said yes to it. He still faced it, and so will you and I, and so have you and I. If Jesus Christ had to face times of disappointment, who am I to think that I'm not going to have to face that as God grows us to be like him? 
He wants to grow in us his character so that we can take it to eternity with us. Every situation, every situation that comes into your life, whether it's good or whether it's bad, he wants to use for the purpose of developing character in you. Whatever the circumstances, the kind of character that it talks about in 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 5, says, don't lose a minute. It says, don't lose a minute in building on what you've, had, you've been given, complete, uh, complementing your, your basic faith with. Good character, special uh, 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 or spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate Patience, reverent, what's happened to that? Wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. It says, don't waste a minute on anything else but this. Go after this. God's working to do that in us to make us like him. I don't know if there's a better description of what Jesus was like in character than in Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of what God's power does in us as he grows us. It's a description of what Jesus is like, the fruit of God's spirit. I mean, you can imagine uh, going up to a, an apple tree, pulling the apple, here we go again about hunger, and, and pulling the apple off the tree and taking a bite out of it, and it's so good. But going up to an apple tree and there's no fruit there. No fruit. What good is it? An apple tree with no fruit. <clears throat> the fruit of God's spirit, guys, is love. What does that mean? That means once God's spirit comes into you, you're producing love. You're producing joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. That's what Jesus is like and he wants uh, us to do in us. He wants to do that. But here's the secret. The way that God does that is very different than what we might expect. And this is what I was getting to. God works a new character into us like love and patience and, and, and peace by putting us in the exact opposite circumstance. <laughs> if you say to God, man, I, I want to become more, a more loving person. You think he's going to put you around a bunch of lovable people? <laughs> it doesn't happen that way, does it? I hate that, but it doesn't happen that, that way. When you say, <clears throat> I, I want to be a person of love, God puts you around a, a bunch of people that are unlovely people so that you can develop. You can develop and grow the character of love. When you say, I want to learn how to, to slow down my life, you, you know exactly what's going to happen next, right? Life's going to be crazy. I mean, all of a sudden, it's going to speed up at home and at work and the kids and everything's going faster and faster. And you're thinking, God, what's going on here? What's happening? Yeah. It's an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to grow. He seems to put us in the exact opposite situation. He wants to develop new habits in our lives. Character is really just a, an accumulation of a bunch of good habits. God is developing those good habits in us to develop good character. The choice, guys, that we have to make is, is it really going to be all about my comfort? Or am I going to allow God to develop new character in me, even though it hurts, even though there's some pain involved, even though there's some effort involved? <clears throat> the third and final important question today is this. What will be the contribution of my life? And I know that there's a lot of young people here today and in many situations, you're just trying to get through it, you know, uh, make it through the next day, uh, keep things moving I, I know this is one thing that I wanted to teach to my boys was something that is important so that they don't wait until I waited to try to be, make a contribution in this world. 
What will be the contribution of my life? In other words, how am I going to use my God-given talents and my abilities? How am I going to do that? Am I going to just use them just to benefit myself, or am I going to use them to help other people? The Bible says in Ephesians, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in living for ourselves. Wow. I am so glad I heard something there. You guys are paying attention. That's so awesome. No way, man. His plan is not for that. It's to spend these lives and helping other people. We're meant to help other people. That's what we're meant for. There's one thing that we all have in common. Everybody here wants to make a difference with our lives, don't we? We, we, we may have given up on that, but we've had the idea, but we may have given up on it and thought, man, I'm never, I'm never gonna make it now. I'm never gonna make it now. We've got somebody in the audience today that's been uh, not let anything got in her way, and she's been teaching Sunday school kids since she was 17, and she's 90 years old today. She's 90 years old. She don't let anything get in her way of teaching, of doing God's purpose and his will. You may have given it up, but down deep, you'd like to leave an impact. You'd like to leave a mark. You'd like to influence others. You'd like to make a difference in this world. Where do you think you get that from? You get that from your maker. You get that from God wired you to make a difference. You were not just put on this earth to take up space and to to breathe the air and to use resources and to retire and to die. No way. God put you here for a very unique reason. God has uniquely shaped you so that you can make a unique contribution. God has uniquely given you certain experiences, some of them painful, some of them good, some of them really bad, to make you who you are. God uniquely gave you your personality. Some of, you, some of it you like and some of it you probably don't like. He, he did it specifically, though, to make you, you. And he gave you a heart. Some things turn you on and some things you could give a rip about. Why, why are we all different? If you think about that, God made us uniquely so that everything in the world could get done. Because if we all liked the same things, if we were all the same way, if we, we all had the same gifts, if we all you know, knew to do the same stuff, we'd only get certain things done and some things would never get done. God uniquely shaped you for a reason to make a contribution. And you need to ask yourself, how can I make a difference? How can I make a difference? How can I make a difference? You say, ah, oh, my contribution is just it's too small. It's, it's not a big deal anyway. You never know what your contribution is going to do. You don't know the, the people that you're going to impact when you go visit a prison ministry. You don't know the impact of what it's going to be like and all these other things that you try to do. It, it, huge doors hang on very small hinges. History has been changed by seemingly insignificant events. Who would have guessed that a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem would have changed the world? Not many. And often, you never know how one little thing that you say to somebody, just one little something that you don't even hardly think about, that you say to somebody, or or one little thing that you do, may not only change their life, but change all of history. You just don't know. You can't evaluate that until you get into heaven. And boy, won't that be a humbling experience. There are people, guys, here today, hear me, that are under the sound of my voice here today that never knew they could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But now have been introduced to the master. Living for him, they're, 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 they're living and they're learning from him and from scripture and from this church, learning things about him because somebody 
got up early enough on a Sunday morning to go set out signs so that they could lead them to the bridge. Because somebody got up early enough or, or they practiced throughout the week to be able to put, perform up here for the Lord uh, in the worship uh, service. Uh, somebody got up early enough to make sure that they go out and greet people at the door and give them a smile and a shake and welcome them to the bridge. Somebody got up early enough to set up the sound system to be absolutely perfect. Somebody got up early enough to set up all the media back there in the back to present it so neatly. Somebody got up early enough, somebody worked throughout the week to, to learn what it was gonna have to do to be able to teach your children about the Lord. Or because somebody stepped out of their comfort zone, guys. Out of their comfort zone. Oh, I don't like to talk to people. You live with people. I'm not making fun of anybody. We get stuck in a situation where I don't want to talk to somebody. Somebody needs to hear from you. Somebody needs to hear from you. To talk to a guest here at the bridge. To, to invite somebody from uh, your office to the bridge. And now God has changed their lives because of it. Because some people are using their unique ability to be used here at the bridge and for his kingdom. I'd like for the worship team, if they would come, play just a little music in the background as I wrap this thing up today. I want to wrap it up with an example of somebody who hasn't or wasn't too busy somebody who wasn't just thinking about themselves, who was able and willing to use what he had and think of someone other than himself. And Jesus tells the story. He said, there's a guy who's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho and the guy gets mugged. And they beat him up. They rob him. They take all this stuff and they basically leave him for dead on the side of the road. And so this guy comes walking along. And he's a religious leader. Watch out for them. He's in a hurry. He says, I don't even have time for this guy. And he walks right on past him. He says, I, I, I got a meeting I got to be at. I got a deadline to make. I can't help this hurting person beside the road. I've got to keep going, man. How many times, guys, have we raced through life and passed somebody in life was hurting. Maybe you didn't even know about her, maybe you did, but you're too busy to mess with it. Somebody hurting, somebody in need, maybe, maybe they even, maybe they even reached out to you for help. You were a little busy. And you left them to fend for themselves. How many times have you literally driven past somebody on the highway with the tire blown out or with the hood raised up? You go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, you say, I don't have time. I didn't have time for that guy. Or, or what, what's that guy going to do to me? And that's not what this guy was thinking. Actually, that's what this guy was thinking. And so he goes past him. And so the second guy comes by. And he says, I'm not going to have anything to do with this dude. I mean, this is kind of embarrassing. I've got my own agenda anyway. I've got my own goals, ambitions. I'm just too busy. I don't want to be associated with this kind of guy. And he actually switches over to the other side of the street. He changes lanes, so to speak. 
and he totally ignores this guy who's in pain. And then there was the third guy who comes along. And just like God and the way he does things, this guy's a Samaritan. And you need to understand something that the Jews and the Samaritans, they, they loathed, they loathed each other. They hated each other. They hated each other. They're two different ethnic backgrounds, two different ethnic groups, and they just did not like each other. And that's using it just, just mildly. And this guy had every reason in the world to pass this guy up. He had all of the excuses one would need to pass by this guy who was in need. How many have had some excuses before? Hey, I'm raising my hand. But that's not what he did. He stops, he helps this guy out. He gives him something to drink. He bandages up his wounds. He puts his, this total stranger in, in, his, in his fiat. He takes him to the nearest Holiday Inn and he slaps down his visa card and he says, whatever this guy needs, please, it's all on me. I'm gonna take care of this thing. You feed him, you clothe him, you store, uh, restore him to health and I'll pay for it all. When was the last time you did this for a friend in need, much less a stranger? Maybe never, or maybe it's been a while. And the problem is, and what I'm trying to get to is you're too busy running, running, running. There are people here today, guys, there are people here today who are hurting who could use a pat on the back, who, who could use someone to, to come talk to them, who could use someone to help them through a, 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 we don't know what people are going through in their lives. And sadly, there are some here today, guys, there are some, I know that there are some here today listening to me right now to what I'm saying, that all you're thinking about is what you've got on the agenda for today, later on. All you're thinking about is something that you, that you want to do, something that a good reason, a real good reason why you need to jet right after church, that you need to pack up your stuff and go. I don't have time. And sadly, sometimes that's been me. somebody that's in pain right now that could use some help and has reached out to me. But I keep telling myself I'm too busy. He lives too far away. Secondly, guys, he had the financial wherewithal to be able to help this person. He actually had some money in reserve to give to help some guy who was in need. And some of you, if you're a stranger here today, <laughs> if a stranger or a friend came to you and needed some money, you might not even be able to help them because you're in debt. 
You have no financial reserves. And I'm telling you, if, if you're in this situation today, <clears throat> Chris Parrish puts a mean financial peace class together. And I'm telling you, if you go there and you follow it, if you follow it, going there is not enough. You gotta follow it. Here's a promise, God will honor it if you follow it, because it's a godly principle. And thirdly, this guy had energy. He had energy to help. He wasn't so stressed out and, 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 and man, I can't deal with this right now. I've got my own problems to deal with. And as a result, this guy was able to help him. And every day of your life, you walk by people who you who need help, who, who, who and, and you can help them. But if you're so focused on your life, if you're so focused on your thing, whatever that is, and you're overloaded and, and you can't stop to help anybody, you can't make a contribution. Listen, guys, when you boil it down in life, there's only two kinds of people. There are givers and there are takers. It's a fact. A giver, where your whole life is, you know what, God, I want to make a contribution to somebody uh, today, to somebody in this world, or are you going to be a taker? Guys, there's no one who's ever recognized for what they take out of life. You're recognized for what you give. There's a quote, you make a living by getting and you make a life by giving. And I wanna stop for just a moment, this is not in my notes. And I wanna say that I've been so apprehensive, I've been so worried that people would get the wrong idea about the bridge, the church, the bridge, that we would not take or receive an offering. And so we put a box back there, a give box back there for people when they walk by, they can just give and it's just sort of inconspicuous. We don't have to, that's, that's something that we, that we started. We all made a conscious decision to do that. Because we, we know that a lot of people are turned off about churches that all they care about is money. And we've been operating in this church for two years with this building for two years now and haven't taken one single offering, just regular offering. So please don't misunderstand, we're not about money. I promise you that. But what I've realized, <laughs> and you would think I would know this as a pastor, that it's blessed, more blessed to give than it is to receive. I want you to be blessed in your life. I promise you that's why I'm saying this. So don't be surprised because I plan on passing the plate from here on. You just give whatever you want to give. No pressure, but you give what your heart says to give. That was not even in my notes, I promise. But one day, we're gonna stand before God and, and God's gonna say, what did you do with what I gave you? What'd you do with it? What'd you do with it? What'd you do with your life? What'd you do with your talents? What'd you do with your abilities that I gave you? Did you make any contribution or did you just live for yourself? So it's a decision today. Is the rest of your life gonna be get all you can or is it gonna be, oh God, Lord help me to be able to give. I'm not talking about money. That's part of it. I want to ask you to ask yourselves this question or these questions today. What's gonna be the center of my life? What's gonna be the character of my life? And what's gonna be the contribution of my life? And I want you to know that God is watching you right now 
to see how you're going to answer those questions. Lord, help us change from a life of selfishness to a life of significance. Shall we sing? this place and these people that when you walk out into the the community they're going where are you from because I just want to share more of God with them and introduce more to him let's all just bow our heads and let's uh, 
Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I never ever want to go without thanking you first for all that you've done for us, for me. God, you have been incredibly kind, gracious, merciful to me and my family, the bridge, the people of the bridge. So grateful for you. God, I pray that like good soil, like like really good open fertile ground that your word, that your seed has found its way somewhere in their heart so that it's able to take root and able to grow and nurture because God know that that's what you want. You want your word to be hidden in our hearts. God, help each and every one of us, God, to walk down these paths that, that, that it, it, it comes to remembrance, not just, not just that it's a message, but it's something that sticks. I had people, God, that came to me and said, um, it's my day of rest. See, it's one thing to think that a message is good. It's another thing to actually act upon it. So God, I'm so grateful for that. And already today, you've shown signs to me that somebody here is not just hearing your word, but is actually acted upon it. And that's exactly what you want us to do with your word. And I pray, God, that each and every person that's here today finds something that takes root they're able to to act upon in their life. God, help us to keep you the center of our life. Help us, God, to achieve your character and help us, God, to contribute and to help others in our lives with the talents and the gifts and the things that you've given us. And I pray all these things in your name, Jesus. I pray, God, as everyone grabs a hold of the person next to them in their hand if they would do that now just grab a hold of the person next to you in their hand God I pray right now that you'd be with each and every person that's here today we're a family God that you camp your angels round about them you watch over them protect them God and bring them back God I pray in the name of Jesus for our worship next week In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen.